This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hello, friends, and welcome to This Isn't the Right Day for This Podcast to Come Out, but here we are anyways. I'm Jana, your host of Such Unfortunate Events. Um, real, real talk, though, uh, this last week has been very, very, very stressful um, for more reason than one. But then I also uh, somehow gave myself sun... Well, I know how I got sun poisoning. Um, I'm a dum-dum who did not put sunscreen on my back. And uh, I spent a lot of time praying to the porcelain god, if you would, like, if you catch my drift, right? Okay. Uh, so I actually, unfortunately, missed work on Monday, and it threw off everything. I have no concept of time. I thought today, I thought I was messing up because today was Tuesday, and I was like, you know what, it'll be fine, it'll be okay. You know, I'll just record on Tuesday, then post the episode on Tuesday. Well, friends, it is Wednesday. It is Wednesday, July 1st. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it became Wednesday. I don't know when it arrived. It slowly and subtly, apparently, is how Wednesday arrived. So, I don't know. So, it's not True Crime Tuesday. I can't even pretend it is. So, happy Wednesday. Happy hump day, if you will, unless uh, you're in the United States. And then some of you might be off tomorrow. And happy 4th of July weekend. Uh, I know I don't have work on Friday, so maybe you don't either. Who knows? Um, If you don't have a burger for me, I guess. <laughs> and if you do, I'll have a burger for you. Everybody just eat burgers unless you're vegan, then do whatever you do. Okay, so, um, bup, 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 bup. today we're going to be talking about, and so I, as I stated previously in the beginning of this podcast, I was sick as a dog um, all Sunday night into what would be Monday morning. Hence, I did not go to work because I fell asleep on the bathroom floor and my boyfriend scared the shit out of me when he got up to go to work because he hit my foot with a door. And I think we both equally scared each other because typically you don't find your girlfriend laying on the bathroom floor uh, for no reason. Well, that he knew no, re- no reason. I mean, he knew that, you know, you, I'm not gonna... <laughs> he knew I was sick, let's just put it that way. And so all day Monday, I kind of just... uh was in and out of sleeping and trying to like just recuperate and also not barf anymore was kind of my plan um so I watch a lot of I like comfort tv not when I'm sick but just all the time I only watch like the same three shows much to Chris's he hates it he hates that I only I don't I refuse to watch new television I don't want here's the deal I have anxiety, right? Cool. Um, we all know that. If you're new here, hi, I'm Jana and I have anxiety. And if you're not new here, hi, I'm Jana and you know that I have anxiety. So I don't like watching new TV shows because um, I'm already stressed out enough in my own personal life. So I don't like to watch TV shows that I don't know how they're going to end. Does that make sense? I don't know why that is about me. I couldn't tell you. I'm medicated. It doesn't make sense. But so I like to watch TV shows that I've seen a million times, which include... But are not limited to Forensic Files, My 600 Pound Life, My Strange Addiction, Intervention, The Office, and Trailer Park Boys, and also recently Cold Case Files. Um, that's a very good, it's a very good show just to put on to go to bed, and it makes you feel good because it's about cold cases that have been solved, and that's awesome, right? Because typically that doesn't happen, so I like, I like the whole, the whole show, cool. So I was watching it 
while I was in and out of sleep and, you know, I really wasn't feeling all that good. And the, the episode I was watching, I don't remember what episode number it was, so sorry in advance, but there was a guy out there and his name was Edward Edwards. And like, I needed to research him. He's a serial killer. But uh, his parents saw this opportunity and they took it. And I love that. I love when parents do that. Like uh, punny names like Hollywood or, you know, whatever you want to name your kid. But Edward Edwards. I love that. Love that name. It's delightful. If I ever had or were ever planning on having children, I don't have a punny last name, but if I did, ooh, you bet your butt I would give my kid a bad name, which is why I'm never having children, and I have a dog and a cat, because, like, you can only fuck them up so much, so, like, you can't, you can't emotionally scar your dog, so you can, well, I mean, you can, but I wouldn't, I'm not a monster, but, uh, Children are much easier to scar, in my personal opinion. And now that we're five minutes into this intro, and all I've done is ramble, uh, I guess we can start talking about what you came here for? Yeah, probably. That makes sense. Um, okay, so Edward, Edward Edwards, our boy, uh, his full name was actually Edward Wayne Edwards, which his initials spell you. And I like that. I like that as well, um, because serial killers are gross. I mean, I love talking about them, and I love learning about them, but inherently, serial killers are disgusting. I never want anybody to ever get that twisted. Like, I think serial killers are awful, disgusting people who should not be glorified, but we can learn a lot about them from their trends and psychology, and we can learn from past experiences with serial killers on how to solve and prevent more people from becoming serial killers, right? That's why we, well, that's at least why I do it. That's why I find it fascinating, right? Um, Because if you know a lot about serial killers, then you might be able to detect one sooner. You don't know. Maybe I'm learning how to profile people. I'm not, but maybe I would be, right? So if you type Edward Wayne Edwards into the Google machine, the first thing you find out is that he was born in my neck of the woods, which is very strange, but he's from Akron, Ohio. And if you don't know um, the vicinity of, I mean, Akron's a pretty big city, um, but it's like just south of Cleveland. I mean, maybe 30 to 45 minutes south of Cleveland. Um, I, if you're new here, hi, I'm from Cleveland. Um, I wasn't born here, but I was born very close to here. It's the closest city, closest major city to where I was born. I was born in a tiny little rural ass village in Ohio, okay? It's fine. My population, my town was like nine square miles big. It's itty bitty. Um, But so Cleveland and Akron are all very close. So Edward Wayne Edwards was born on June 14th, 1933 in Akron, Ohio. Do with that information what you will. Okay. Um, So Ed Edwards wrote a book and I was able to pull a lot of, well, I mean, I didn't. I skipped over a lot of it, to be completely honest. Um, it was kind of weird. I mean, it was written by a serial killer, so it's about as normal as you th- would guess it would be. Um, it's called The Metamorphosis of a Criminal, The True Life Story of Ed Edwards by Ed Edwards. I skimmed it, so you don't have to, but you can if you want to. Um, it's free online. I found a PDF of it. But if you... Um, I, I was able to piece together 
between what you could get on Wikipedia, what you could find in news articles and court documents, and Ed Edwards's own book, I was able to piece this story together um, pretty easily, actually. Um, so it's kind of, I guess if you're doing it and you wanted, it's a lot of dialogue. I don't know how to describe it. It like, it's not, I guess you can learn something from his psychology from this based off of like the way he writes and the stuff he, like the things he says and the way he articulates the things he says. But it's just like, at the end of the day, unless you're looking like, so I was trying to compare the facts and the dates that I knew from other sources to his book and it's kind of difficult to follow um there's a lot in there and he bases chapters mostly off of his love interests and what he was doing at the time so there's like over half of it is about people he was having sex with and like what their deal was and i um don't really care about that right uh I didn't see how that was important to the story, so I I skimmed over most of that and just kind of was able to um, go off bits and pieces. So the beginning of the book was fascinating, though. Um, so Ed's... And the book said foster mother. Like, okay. So, sorry, I just had a coughing fit and I had to skedaddle out and skedaddle back in <laughs> so nobody had to listen to me cough. Um, and by his account... He used the term mother and also foster mother and foster parents for his parents. I don't know. I don't know what that is all about. Um, I don't know. I just don't know. So I'm just going to call her, um, his mother and his father and his grandmother. I'm not going to specify foster or not. I'm always talking about the same people. I just, I got confused and then I tried to figure it out and it didn't make any sense. And the more I looked, the more it didn't make any sense. So I'm just, she's his mother and we're, we're fucking calling it that. Okay, cool. So his mother, Mary, was diagnosed um, in 1937 with multiple sclerosis. So he was born in 1933 at four years old. His mom was diagnosed with MS. Um, his father, Fred, suffered from an alcohol problem. And because of this, Ed was sent to the Parmadale Orphanage in Parma, Ohio, an outskirt of Cleveland in 1940. So he was seven years old. From my understanding, Parmadale is still open because, I mean, I know I've been to Parma before, many a time, actually. And uh, currently, Parmadale is still open. It's called Parmadale Family Services. And they, they don't um, help people in-house anymore. Like, they don't um, they don't provide housing. That's the words I'm looking for. They don't provide housing, but they still do outpatient treatments and do therapy sessions and stuff like that. Um, apparently Ed's time at Parmadale was insufferable. He admitted to having a bedwetting problem, which you know what that means. Um, he admitted to having a bedwetting problem and the nuns were punishing him brutally for it. He was forced to stand in freezing water for hours while the other kids were able to eat breakfast. He was forced to stand outside, um, with his soiled sheets screaming, I'm a bedwetter, I'm a bedwetter, um, which sounded, and I tried to think of who this was, um, I can't remember if I covered it or if it was on My Favorite Murder, but the person who had to hang their dirty soiled bed sheets out of the window so that all the neighbors could see, I feel like it was Gary Heidnick. In my head, it was Gary Heidnick, um, but I might be wrong. So that kind of set a trigger to you. 
Um, and then eventually he was endured, he endured physical abuse for his nightly troubles. Um, one of the nuns getting so fed up with him still wetting the bed, uh, made him hug a tree and she started herself but um all of the kids got in the line to kick him in his butt for um wetting the bed and when he tried to fight back older kids um held him down so that he couldn't get away which seems great you know obviously if um a child is bedwetting there's other you know psychological issues going on there it's not like it's their fault it's not on purpose so for you to physically torture somebody because they're having issues wetting the bed in my personal and honest humble opinion does not make me feel like that'll make them stop wetting the bed I think it will make it worse you know and he had made a comment in his book that he would wait up all night just so he wouldn't wet the bed um, and the second he would doze off he'd wake up with wet sheets so he was genuinely really trying not to do it but you know he grew up in a rough um which I'm not excusing anything he did. I know, I don't, I'm not sympathizing with Ed Edwards, the adult. I'm sympathizing with Ed Edwards, the child, because I don't think, this is one of those cases where you think if he was born under completely different circumstances, he wouldn't have turned out, I mean, maybe he would have, maybe he would have, don't get me wrong, he might still have, but he probably would have had a lower chance of turning out the way he uh, of turning out a different way than he did, right? Because if he had the, this bedwetting problem, he had a, a poor home at life, he was sent to an orphanage at seven years old to get beaten for wetting the bed, right? Because up until then, there's nothing about him being a bad kid at all. So for him to go from being this normal-ish kind of kid and kind of maybe not the best household to ending up in an orphanage, getting physically tortured because of um, psychological issues, I think they are very closely related to each other, okay? Um, so sometime during Ed's journey in the orphanage, which I read a bunch of different years, I don't know how old he was, but his mother completed suicide, so she killed herself. Um, after suffering years of unrelenting punishment from the orphanage, Ed found ways to escape, but was brought back and punished more severely for leaving in the first place. So between 1940, when he showed up there, and 1944, Ed said that he escaped Parmadale at least 15 times. And he would hitchhike to his grandmother's house in Akron, but she would always bring him back. And finally, in 1944, the orphanage said they would no longer accept him. And Ed Edwards was very happy about that. I mean, I'm sure the grandma was pissed, but at the same time, he was so thankful that they wouldn't even let him back there again. Um, by 1945... He was back living with his grandma in Akron, attending public school, um, but instead of studying, Ed was learning how to steal. Uh, he was pulling in a considerable, considerable amount of money and was giving most of it to his grandmother to help with bills. So one of the things that was like one of the biggest quotes of, this, of Ed Edwards, I almost said this guy, of Ed Edwards, was that... Um, he, he said he wanted to be, like, the best crook there ever was. Like, that was his goal in life. So he didn't care about scholastics, grades, whatever. He wanted to be a good criminal. And, uh, interesting aspirations for a child, but, I mean, why not? So, in 1948, three years later, Ed was transferred to a school in Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Protectory, which is a reform school. Sometime after... Ed ran away with a girl to Cleveland. He felt compelled to join the Marines, and he thought they were the greatest men on earth. So right before this, um, 
Ed had found a teacher that he really liked and really trusted, and he got his grades up. He kind of got his shit together, and he was doing really well. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna join the Marines. I'm going to make something of my life. I'm going to get my shit together. I'm, this is like my destiny. I want to fight for the Marines. Um, so he wanted to prove he could do something, and there was um, some trouble based on his age, because he was only 17 at the time, um, but he attended, or no, he was only 16 when he went to boot camp, but eventually he attended boot camp and became a private first class in the U.S. Marine Corps. He was really proud of his accomplishment, um, and he was really excited to be going to be, he was, whoop, I don't know what my mouth did there, he was super excited to be sent to Korea to fight in the war, but um, shortly after he graduated from boot camp, a bill was passed in Congress that didn't allow 17-year-olds to be sent into combat. Ed was heartbroken um, and slacked off on all his duties, and he ran away from the camp and went to Jacksonville, Florida. So he was AWOL and dishonorably discharged for being so, but he was still wearing his military uniform. He got bored with Jacksonville quickly, stole a car, and tried to leave the state and was stopped by police and arrested. By April of 1952, he received two years for impersonating a Marine and stealing the car. He went to Federal Federal Reformatory in Chillicothe, Ohio, and he was released in 1954. In 1955, somehow he ended up back in jail again, and he escaped from the Akron jail. He was being held on burglary charges. He fled to Portland, Oregon. In 1956, he was arrested in Montana and sentenced to three years in prison with five years of probation. In 1960, he escaped from prison again, just for the fun of it. Um, Apparently, he called a false alarm with, like, a fire alarm, got arrested, and then escaped just because he could. Um, So he was all over the country robbing gas stations, and he said he never wore a disguise because he wanted to be famous for doing so. And by 1961, Edward Wayne Edwards appeared on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list. Ed was captured in 1962 and was sentenced to 16 years in the Leavenworth Federal Penitentiary. From there, he was paroled in 1967, um, but said that one of the guards there had reformed him, and he said he didn't need to commit crime anymore. He had gotten married to a woman named Marlene, and apparently became a motivational speaker. Um, In 1972, he appeared in a television show called To Tell the Truth, which from my understanding is basically a televised game of two truths and a lie, more or less, from the gist. Um, And he was on another game show called What's My Line? In 1982, Ed was back in a life at crime, and he was sent to PA um, in prison for arson. So, in 1993, a letter to the FBI found in his papers, Edward requested his criminal and history record um, from 19 different states so he could write his uh, book. Yep. (laughs) Which is great. So he wanted to write a book about criminals he met while incarcerated, I don't know why my mouth did that, um, such as Charles Manson and Jimmy Hoffa. Um, although, uh, after this, though, is kind of where shit gets a little, a little tumultuous for our boy, Eddie. Um, so he, you know, he, he gets out of jail, he lives his life, and apparently he was just living his comfy old life in Louisville, Kentucky, until 2009 when he was arrested for murder um, he was arrested in July after DNA tests connected him with the murders of a Wisconsin couple, 19-year-old Tim Hack and 19-year-old Kelly Drew, who are from Jefferson, Wisconsin. 
They had attended a friend's wedding reception in August of 1980, but afterward they were never seen again alive. This is the crime that is the focus for the cold case files episode. And if you want a much more detailed report and would like to hear stuff for like the family and um, you know, really understand how Ed Edwards got caught, I will they will say it better than I can a thousand times. I don't remember which episode. It was, I think, um, the name had Sweethearts in the title. I'm pretty sure. And it's on Netflix right now. It's right there. I watched it yesterday. So you could definitely find it if you want to watch that episode. It was really good. Um, yes. In 1980, suspiciously enough, Ed had began working as a handyman at the reception hall where Tim and Kelly were last seen. He was questioned shortly after the crime, but he abruptly left the state after he was implicated and they didn't have anything to hold him on. So he knew he got questioned for it and he dipped immediately. He knew he didn't want to go down for a crime. Um, and ironically, Ed's daughter, April, was specifically responsible for tipping off police about his possible involvement in that crime. So a few weeks after they went missing, the bodies of T Tim and Kelly were found um, in a wooded area, and investigators believe that they had been stabbed and strangled. Um, this timeline is a little bit scattered, though. Um, Ed Edwards actually committed his first known murders, the ones he confessed to, in 1977 from Akron, Ohio. Um, this was the murder of Billy Lavaco, who was 21, and Judy Straub, who was 18. He admitted to shooting them and leaving their bodies in a park in Akron in August of 1977. He was indicted in 2010 for two counts of aggravated murder. Um, so Ed Edwards signed a plea deal saying he would plead guilty for, um, to all the homicides. He entered his pleas in Wisconsin and Ohio and received, um, I think a total of four life sentences. I know for a fact, two life sentences for the murder of Billy and Judy. Um, and this is almost kind of irrelevant information because shortly after, um, everything was said and done, Ed confessed to killing 25-year-old Danny Law Glockner in Burton, Ohio in 1996, which this is so fucked up. Um, Danny had lived with Ed and his family as an unofficial adopted son, which is so, that's so fucked up. Uh, Ed apparently murdered Danny to collect insurance money. Ed Edwards was sentenced to death for the crime in March 2011, which is why I say I'm not entirely sure if he got two life sentences or four life sentences. I'm not entirely sure because in 2011, he was sentenced to death. Um, Ed died in prison of natural causes on April 7th, 2011, um, about a month later after that uh, verdict was passed down. He was scheduled to be executed in August, um, but he didn't make it that far. He died at the Corrections Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. So despite the five known murders that Ed had committed, there were several others that are suspect, meaning that people involved in the cases suspect that he had at least five to seven more victims that Ed Edwards had killed. Um, they can neither confirm nor deny, and now that he has passed away, it is absolutely—we would never hear it from him. Although there are some people who, on like one of the versions that I had seen, they were trying to dissect his verbiage in um, his book that he had written to see, like, oh, well, he was here at this time and this time and this time. So how can you connect this to several murders along the way? Um, it's actually really fascinating because that's I this the one copy that I'd seen had stuff written in the margins of the scanned uh, PDF file. Kind of fascinating if you know what you're looking for. Uh, so I was assuming those were cases that they were kind of looking into for being ones linked to Ed Edwards. So that's fascinating. Um, uh, that's all I have for this. <laughs>
I mean, I wish I knew how to end these. Like, it's like I get to the end and then it's like, yep, here we are. So, um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll think about that a little bit. I'm not entirely sure. So that was me. This is this. Uh, it's Wednesday, my dudes, and I'm sorry that I missed it yesterday because I didn't know what day of the week it was. And so tomorrow is Thursday, and I hope you all have a good holiday weekend, and I am gonna sign off and see you guys in a couple days. So, adios, muchachos.